If you're able to remain standing, please do so. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we'll begin at verse 35 and read this evening through verse 42. Hear now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard Him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to Him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son, of John, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday evening, we looked at verses 19 through 34 of John chapter 1, and we heard John the Baptist Testimony. We heard John the Baptist testifying to the surpassing greatness of our Lord. We heard him testifying to the atonement that comes through the real Passover lamb who is Jesus. And we heard him testifying to the change that must take place by being united to the lamb. And so for the last few weeks we have been looking at two days of John the Baptist's testimony and ministry. And so this evening, the next week, we'll be covering two more days. And again, who do we see tonight? Uh, again, testifying to the Lord, but John the Baptist, making straight the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he testifies this evening, we find two of his disciples hearing that testimony and they in turn following Jesus. We hear of Andrew and Simon, whom we know as Peter, coming to follow the Lord this evening. Now those who follow Jesus of his earthly disciples, Andrew is the first whose name we know and the first one that is mentioned tonight in our text. And we read, however, that there was another man with him, two disciples of John. 
But the second is not named. Who is that? Well, most believe it is John the Apostle, the one who, who penned the words of this Gospel. We know that John never names himself in this Gospel. And so whenever we have an unnamed disciple, we, we think it is John the Apostle who wrote these very words. And we see here tonight the power behind a biblical testimony of Christ. We see tonight how God uses the, the power of a biblical testimony of Jesus to bring His people to the Lord. And so really our text centers around two imperatives. Two exclamations, if you will, tonight. And we begin with the first. Behold the Lamb of God. Now this is the second time we have heard this. Notice we are in the next day after what we covered last Sunday evening. The very next day, what do we find? John the Baptist again, this time standing with two of his disciples. And he looks at Jesus and he proclaims, Behold the Lamb of God. John the Baptist is doing his job. He is testifying of the Lord Jesus. Now note how John the Apostle here, the author of this Gospel, He's paying a special attention to days at this period of Jesus' life. And, and knowing what we know in our text, that this was the day that the unnamed disciple John came to follow Jesus. No wonder he includes it. What a day it must have been for him. As John the Baptist testified, Behold the Lamb of God, and he hears those words. Now the Baptist sees Jesus walking among the crowds of persons alone. There is a Lord simply walking in this world without any followers at this time, without any who have recognized Him as the Messiah. And so as He sees Jesus walking, and Jesus is doing what? Waiting for His hour. Waiting for the commands of His Father in full preparation of what He is about to begin, His, His ministry. John makes that public proclamation. Behold, the Lamb of God. Now again, this is the second proclamation. If you look back at verse 29 of John 1, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so John is simply repeating himself. Now do you remember the audience last week? The audience last week were those who were sent, the Jews who were sent by the priests and the Levites. And they were asking John, who are you? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Are you the, the Messiah? Are you the Christ? And, and John the Baptist said no to all this. I am not any of those. John the Baptist was the one who would come to make straight the ways of our Lord. As he testified last week, he was not worthy to stoop down and untie the sandals on the feet of his Lord. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God. 
And what is different this week from last? Well, last week we did not hear of any men coming to follow Jesus. Tonight we do. God uses the second proclamation of John the Baptist to bring men to become His disciples, to follow the Lord. And so we hear of the two disciples with John the Baptist who heard this and they followed Jesus. Now notice that Jesus did not say, welcome. He said, what are you seeking? What a question that is to these two men. Many people are seeking tonight, but they are are seeking the wrong things. Now we know this, apart from the work, the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, no man seeks after God, but there is an emptiness caused by the fall that is present in all men. And that emptiness can only be filled by the Lord Jesus Christ, but they do not know of that unless they hear it proclaimed. And John the Baptist proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God. And these two men, they heard it. And they followed Jesus and he asked them, what are you seeking? In another way, Jesus was asking, is there anything that I can do for you? Is there any truth that I can teach you? Is there any burden that I can take away? And so what Jesus is doing, he's inquiring of these two men concerning their motives. You know, there are many in this world that they follow Jesus until things turn bad. Now that's the easy time to follow Jesus when things are good, right? You, you say you believe in Christ, things are good, but then your world falls apart. And many in this world, when their world falls apart, they, they, they turn away from Jesus. And they never follow Him again. And so Jesus is right in questioning the motives of these men, are they coming to him with right motives? What are you seeking? And so they reply, Rabbi. Now, notice as they reply, Rabbi, we we have a we have a, a small phrase in parentheses, which means teacher. Now, why is that there? Well, this just reminds us that John wrote his gospel not so much for Jews but for Gentiles. They would need to know what Rabbi means, and so John gives them. The meaning, and they say, where are you staying? And this seems odd. After all, Jesus said, what are you seeking? And they say back, well, where are you staying? And so what are they implying with this question? They are implying a desire to converse with the Lord. To have communion with Jesus. Private communion. To go with him to sit at his feet. They wanted to know more of Jesus. They wanted to do it away from the crowd and commune with him. And so Jesus replies, come and you will see. Now that phrase will be used next week as well in our text. When Philip as goes to Nathaniel and Nathaniel asks, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip will answer, come and see. Jesus says, come and you will see. Come and see who I am. Come and see what I am. Come and be acquainted with me. And so they went with Jesus. 
Now, we do not know where they went, but no doubt the Lord was staying somewhere at that time because it was late in the day. It was the 10th hour. It would have been about around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, around the time we are in now. And so all possibility and it's probable and very possible that these two men went and they communed with Jesus and they stayed with Him all the night. Listening to Him teach. Hearing God Himself speak to them. What a night that must have been for these two men. Sitting at the feet of the Lord. But then there's a second, second imperative, and it is simply this. We have found the Messiah. Now, as we begin looking at verse 40, we hear of one of the two men who heard John speak and followed Jesus. It was Andrew, the brother of Peter. Now, notice who came first to follow the Lord. It was not Peter. It was Andrew. Now, we should not overlook this. As, as J.C. Ryle states, P Peter, to whom the church of Rome boastfully attributes a, a primacy among the apostles, was neither converted nor made acquainted with Christ so soon as his brother. But who was Andrew? Well, we know his name is, is Greek. It means manly. We do not read much about Andrew and the other Gospels, though we know that he and his brother Peter, and Mark tells us this in his Gospel, that he and his brother Peter, that they had a house in Capernaum. And the only other information we get about Andrew in the Synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke is in Mark's recording of the fact that he joined with his brother Simon and the sons of Zebedee and asking Jesus the question that, that touched off the Olivet Discourse or the Apocalyptic Discourse on the Mount of Olives. Other than that, we don't know much about Him. John records Him here as the first disciple of the Lord. And what do we see Andrew doing? Immediately doing what Jesus will call him to do. We see Andrew the evangelist. He goes and he finds Simon, his brother. And not only does he find Simon, he, he makes this point. We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Now this expression indicates uh, an unexpected and a joyful discovery. No doubt, Andrew probably did not think that as he heard John the Baptist proclaiming, he wondering who he was, but as he was able to converse with the Lord Jesus Himself, he then goes to his brother, we have found the Messiah. We have found the Anointed One of God. Now in the Old Testament, we read about kings and prophets and priests being anointed. And here Andrew tells his brother, here is the anointed one of God. He is prophet, priest, and king. He is called the anointed one. Now Andrew 
was poor and humble. But notice he knows the Scriptures. He had to know the Old Testament Scriptures to know about the Messiah. He had to know the Old Testament Scriptures to know what to look for. And as he saw Jesus, as he heard the testimony of John the Baptist, as he conversed with Jesus, he knew the Word of God and he knew this was the one that God sent. And he goes and tells his brother. John Calvin said this, Woe to our indolence if we do not, after having been fully enlightened, endeavor to make others partakers of the same grace. This we find Andrew doing. Going to his brother Simon, and not only going to Simon and telling them we have found the Messiah, but then he says, Simon, why don't you come with me? And he brings his brother to Jesus. Now notice what happens as he brings his brother to the Lord. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, had the Lord met Simon at this point? No. He did not have to meet him. The Lord knew who he was. The Lord had and displays here a perfect knowledge of all persons and names and things. He did not need anyone to tell him who Peter was. He knew who he was because after all, he created Peter. Now this knowledge that Jesus displays here is a knowledge that the Jews knew would be a a peculiar attribute only of the Messiah. And so as Jesus says, you're Simon, the son of John, and Peter had not met him. And then then Jesus goes on and He says, oh, by by the way, from now on you'll be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now the name Peter is a a Syriac word it is equivalent to, to the Greek word Petros. And that's where we get the rendering of Peter. And, and Petros means rock. And if we know the life of Peter, we know he was just that. He was a rock. But why did Jesus here give him a new name? Because Peter is now a changed man. He has met the Lord. And it is given to him with a special reference to the change which grace was to work in his heart. Now Peter was naturally impulsive. We'll see that. It will come out from time to time in his life. He was naturally unstable and unsteady. But now he has become a firm and solid stone, says the Lord. And he will go on. He will testify of that new name. The greatest testimony of Peter will be his adherence to Christ by suffering death for the sake of his Lord. Now we look at this short passage tonight and there doesn't seem to be be much here, but what can we glean from it here this evening? Well, the first thing is this. We see what good is done when a person continually testifies of Jesus. That's part of what we are called to do. 
to continually testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, when we looked at our text last week, we heard the same words, Behold the Lamb of God. John preached the same sermon two Sundays in a row. And the first Sunday, nothing happened. But on this particular day, as John preaches that sermon, Behold the Lamb of God, God uses it to bring two men to follow Jesus. By that testimony we hear this evening, men and women are converted and saved. You know, that is our testimony as well to the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is what we are to be telling others around us. We are to be exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what John the Baptist does. He doesn't exalt himself. Last week he took a back seat. He said, I am not Elijah. I am not the prophet. I am not the Christ. As a matter of fact, I'm not worthy to untie the sandals of the one who is coming to baptize with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist will continually take the back seat. And he will exalt Jesus. And we are called to do the same thing. We are called to exalt Christ. We are called to exalt Christ above anyone and everything else. This is the testimony that we are to be given, giving to the lost around us. And so Christian, you are to continually testify of Christ. Wherever God has you, continually testify in Christ. You know, tonight we prayed for our young people who are in school. If you're in Christ, you're in school, continually testify of the Lord to your teachers, to the administrators, to other students, making them so angry with you that they want to kick you out. Because if you're in Christ, you have something to say. The second thing we see is this, that we see what a a good believer may do to others by speaking to them about Jesus. No sooner than Andrew became a disciple of the Lord, what did he do? He went and told his brother. He went to Simon and he tells him what discovery he had made. We have found the Messiah. Now put yourself in the... Simon's shoes for a moment. Here you are a, a Jew and you've been waiting for the Messiah and your brother comes. Brother, we have found the Messiah. We have found Him. And not only have we found Him, but come with me and I'm going to take you to Him. As Andrew heard the good tidings of the Lord, as he heard of Jesus as he heard of the Lamb of God who had come. He goes and he imparts that knowledge to the one who is nearest and dearest to him, his very brother. We see in the Scriptures that the first three members of the New Testament church, one at least was brought to Jesus by the private, quiet word of a relative. Now, if we're honest, sometimes our relatives are the hardest ones to reach. Those closest to us are the hardest ones sometimes to reach. And so we're glad that it's not our job 
Our job is simply to testify of the Lord, to tell them of the great things the Lord Jesus has done. It is God's job to convert them. But think about it for a moment. What would the church be like if all believers were more like Andrew? What, what would this church be like if all of us were more like Andrew and we go out tomorrow after hearing this sermon tonight and we say, we have found the Messiah. We know the Lamb of God. And it is Jesus. You know, every Lord's Day morning and evening, we pray for revival. We will continue to pray for revival, for God to revive this church, to fill this church morning and evening, every Lord's Day, until He does it. And we are trusting that He will. But part of the way that will happen is by you going out and speaking to others of Christ. And not only speaking to them, but saying, hey, won't you come with me? Isn't that what Andrew did? Peter, come with me. Let me show you Jesus. And you can say, come with me this coming Lord's Day and worship with us and you will meet Jesus. You will see Him. You will hear of Him. In the Word of God. Think of it for a moment how well it would be for the souls of all men and women who have been converted if they would speak to their friends and relatives on spiritual matters and tell them what they have found. That's what we're called to do. We are called to tell others. We are called to be like Andrew who went and said, we have found the Messiah. No, we have found Him, but, but brother, come with me and see Him for yourself. The third thing we see tonight is how the work of testifying the gospel of grace is not left to ministers and preachers alone. Now we know this. Andrew is being called to be a disciple and he will go out one day and preach. And he is following Jesus at this time. But yet he will be trained for three years before he goes out and preaches. But even now he is testifying of the grace of God and the gospel. And so for all of us who have received mercy, we are to do the same. We are to go out and declare what God has done for ourselves. Every believer is a missionary. Now where does that begin? It begins in the home. Fathers, husbands, we are missionaries to our children. To our wife, if she is an unbeliever. Uh, wives, you are missionaries to your husband. Later, we know this, that Peter will tell us this concerning wives who have an unbelieving husband. Win them over, not only by what you say, but by what you do. Emulate Christ in such a way that your unbelieving husband will be drawn to Jesus. We're to be a missionary to our families, to our children, to our neighbors, to our friends. And God has placed us where we are for that particular purpose. Now, part of our problem is we get too comfortable. We don't like change. 
And we get comfortable and we don't want to tell others, but we need to tell others. Again, listen to the words of J.C. Raw. He says, surely if we can find nothing to say to others about Jesus, we may well doubt whether we are savingly acquainted with Him ourselves. Think of that. If you have nothing to say about Jesus, do you know Him in faith? Now go back for a moment to the moment of your conversion. Most of us, I believe, who are here tonight, the moment we were converted, what did we do? We went out and told others. We went out and told others of, of the fact that, that we had found the Messiah, or more importantly, the Messiah had found us and brought us to faith. What has happened to that zeal over the years? Well, we get comfortable, we get fat, we get happy. And we forget. You see, Andrew knew the importance of telling others. And he is an example to us here this evening. And so as we close, let me ask you, what are you seeking tonight? That is the question that Jesus asked these men. What are you seeking? What motive do you have to follow me? And so what is your motive in following Jesus? Now most people will say, well, Jesus is my ticket to heaven. He is the way to heaven. He is the only way to heaven. There is no other way but through the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll hear Him say that later in this gospel, but He is so much more than a ticket to heaven. He is the one who left the glories of heaven to die and to save His people. The Lord Jesus gave everything for us. Are we not willing to give everything for Him? What are you seeking tonight? I pray that if you're without Christ here this evening, that you will hear the words of John the Baptist, Behold the Lamb of God. That you will hear the words of Andrew, the first disciple mentioned here in John's Gospel, the first to follow Jesus when he says, We have found the Messiah. And that you would come to Christ as you turn from your sin and believe in Him. And if you're a little unsteady and unstable like Peter, on Christ you'll be that rock. For Jesus is the rock. He is that rock upon the, which the church has been founded. So come to Him this evening. And for the rest of us, may we go out this week and testify of the unsurpassing greatness of Jesus. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Father, we thank You tonight that we can be challenged this week to go out and to tell others of Christ. Father, give us courage. Give us the courage to do that. Father, You will give us the very words we need. And may it simply be as John the Baptist, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Father, I pray for any who are here tonight that, is, that are without Christ. Father, even now, by way of Your Spirit, change their hearts. Bring them to Christ and give them the gift of repentance. And may they believe in Christ. And may the rest of us here this evening, may we do everything for the glory 
of Jesus. We pray this in His name. Amen.